My watchword for cold water economics is to try and be consistent and comprehensive in my coverage of the world's data. So every day I publish the macro kernel and quite often I'll make a comment on something which I think is interesting about the data we've had. But they're all called macro kernel and uh, so it's very difficult to tell from the title what I'm writing about. So I thought it might be helpful just to give a quick overview of what I've been doing every week. Well, this week, all week, it's been about bond maths, trying to work out just what scale of losses there are on a mark-to-mark basis or on a carrying cost basis of any financial institution which has spent its recent life buying ultra-low-yielding bonds. The point is, these losses must be enormous and being carried not just by banks, but by insurance companies and, as we saw in Britain last year during the liability-driven investment meltdown, in pension funds too. I started out on Monday the 13th looking at the ECB's balance sheet and how much it must now be paying to carry those 5.1 trillion worth of bonds it's been buying since they give almost no income but right now are 80% financed by deposits which are costing them 2.5 percentage points. My estimate is that by February these guys are losing about 8.5 billion euros a month. Sounds a lot, but it's probably about right since you can tally up the recent losses with falls in the ECB's published reserves. Uh, the data for this comes from the, uh, from the weekly balance sheets that they put out. In a comment called WhatsApp and Ready to Go, I liked that title, uh, I did a quick summary of which banking system is carrying the highest concentrations of bonds in bank credit. Uh, it turns out it's the Eurozone at 32.7% of credit. The US has got 31.3% of credit in bonds and the UK at only 27.5% of credit. On Friday, that's the 17th of March macro kernel, I made the guesstimate for the US. Incidentally, I was helped by this, um, by chat GPT, which is better and quicker at bond math than I am. I came to a figure for the US banks of about 700 billion in losses. Now, that might be a bit toppish, but remember, it's just a sighting shot. The Fed has put in a financing scheme under which it accepts these bonds as collateral at face value. So no mark to market for them for now. For now, that gets banks off making these things at mark to market, which would give them huge losses. But there's a price. The loans the banks are getting are at 10% over fed lending rates. So it's expensive. They're taking the hit in cash flow, even if they're not taking the hit in mark to market. And in the first week, the banks borrowed an extra $140 billion through this scheme. And more to come, of course. And remember, eventually some sort of mark to market will have to be made. It's ironic, really. Whilst all this panic is going on, the real economy data is breaking quite nicely. On the 15th of March macro kernel, I pointed out that even as the US industrial sector is getting caned, the link between its output and its sales is still good. It tells us that the US is in no immediate danger of deflationary oversupply. Now, in the past, tracking this measure has been one of two excellent red, red flags for near-term US recession, the other being heavy truck sales. And the point is this, right now, neither is flashing red. Also away from the bond-lost madness, 
I took a look at the January, February exports from Northeast Asia. Uh, this was the 16th of March macro kernel. And it concluded the data, one, showed no evidence of any material decoupling between Northeast Asian exports and Western demand. Two, no obvious deglobalization. And three, despite shuttering for COVID last year, China's exporters still gained market share. In the 12 months of February, China accounted for 65.6% of Northeast Asia's total exports. And that's up 92 basis points on the year. So my guess is now they're opening up, that share is also going to go up. Um, I'll be tracking it, and um, I hope that you find it useful, and um, thanks. <laughs>